Welcome back, guys. This is our last podcast, four out of four, on eating disorders with Kelly. Thank you so much if you came back, and if you're just starting out on this one, thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate it. This podcast will be centered around student questions that were sent in, and Kelly will be answering. Uh, so thank you so much, Kelly, for answering those questions. Uh, again, I want to add a trigger warning before this podcast because these topics can be triggering to some. So if you feel that you're not up to it, up for it today, then uh, feel free to shut this off and this to something else uh whatever makes you happy whether that's ambient sounds or heavy metal uh all that matters is that your mental health is okay and your mental health always comes first so whatever makes you feel good but thank you so much for joining us on this podcast and i really hope you enjoy this last segment have a good one and now we're moving to some questions that students have submitted First one, are certain personality traits more common when it comes to eating disorders? Well, um, I'm sure that the literature would support the idea that eating disorders are associated with various traits, et cetera. But someone with maybe a little bit more investment in that literature could confirm that. My experience has been that eating disorders are kind of democratic in the sense that they affect anyone who is subject to the soil conditions, so to speak. The messages, the lack of control, the judgment, the harm, et cetera, no one is, uh, is immune. Um, but under the right conditions, I would say, I mo- imagine most of us, if not all of us, could become rigid and rule-based in our thinking about food, about our body, about our worth. And I can imagine most, if not all people, could become convinced that if they can't control the outside world, then they can at least control their bodies. So I'm less concerned about personality traits. Again, uh, other therapists or other researchers might have some different opinions about that. Um, and I'm more, convinc- or more concerned about the conditions around people and the ideas that they're being asked to take on board. Yeah. Maybe what people are calling personality traits could be considered to be strategies like like overthinking or like um, second guessing, like doubling down on certainty that rules and routines create. And so, yeah, I would, but I would be inclined to think of them more as strategies than baked in um, unchanging personality characteristics. And Another couple of questions that are maybe in the same kind of category uh, about food, particularly in fitness. Uh, The first one, is a granola bar a good meal replacement? I'd say in the short run, absolutely. In the long run, as a general lifestyle choice, it sounds pretty limiting. Um, But again, a problem is a problem when it's a problem. In this instance, it's not just the granola bar that's worth considering. It's the meaning of the granola bar um, for holding onto it as a meal replacement in a rigid fashion. If we're denying ourselves in other ways, etc., then maybe it's not such a good meal replacement. So it is really a little bit about the context. The next question, though. Is there a good strategy to be in a calorie deficit for fitness reasons without slipping into restrictive eating and obsessive calorie counting? 
Um, it's, it's sort of similar. It's an interesting question too, and it's a valid one. Otherwise it wouldn't have been asked. I hear a person that wants to be fit and doesn't want to become uh, mentally burdened by, uh, by the um, experience of disordered eating. Sometimes fitness can be a bit cruel. Um, I wonder about those practices. So I'd wonder what are the reasons for fitness in this way? What is it getting a person? But it's kind of like the granola question. It has less to do with calorie deficit strategies themselves than it does with the meaning of them and the meaning of fitness. For instance, a hammer can be really useful when it comes to nails, but it's dangerous if it's used for combing your hair. <laughs> um, maybe that's a silly analogy. What I'm trying to get at here is the, the calorie deficit might have physical effects or it might not. Um, that's up to a doctor or a dietitian, a fitness expert to say. But if it's starting to overtake the ability to exert choice in life, it's starting to get in the way of important areas of living, relationships, work, um, school, et cetera, then, then it's a problem. And I don't know what strategies there can be um, to prevent a person from slipping into restrictive eating. It's just a tender zone. I guess in consultation with your trainer or in consultation with, um, with someone who knows you, you can sort of put in some boundaries or limits for yourself and just check in to see, is this more in line with fitness or is this more in line with disordered eating? And that has to be a one size fits one uh, kind of analysis. So I, I wish I could give you a clearer answer. Um, but it's at least consistent with what I've said above. Uh, a final question that I've received uh, from students is, is binge eating disorder a real eating disorder? If so, what are some tips to help to manage constant cravings? Um, again, I'll, I'll repeat something I've mentioned earlier that the words eating disorder are just words. Um, it really depends on whether this, uh, whether binging, is a style of living that has consequences for a person, whether it generates problems in different areas of life. If it's a problem, then it's a problem. But that being said, uh, binge eating disorder was accepted into the DSM, which means that people kind of voted it in for lack of a better way of putting it, because it does, uh, it, it, it does account for suffering for some people. And so to name a thing gives it a, a legitimacy. To name a thing makes it visible. To name it allows us to talk about it. And so to that extent, I'd say absolutely, it's a legitimate, real uh, problem, provided that it is a problem in people's lives. Um, with respect to tips for managing cravings, you know, a dietitian or doctor might be a better person to ask to get some specialized tactics around food. Since craving has its biological components, like in particular how the physicality and the chemistry of food is experienced, then it could help to have some, some people who are um, experts in biology. Um, but 
because I have a body and uh, it, I guess it, and I talk with people who have bodies, I, I guess there's a certain amount of ambient wisdom that um, I hold and the people that I've consulted hold. So off the bat, uh, how to manage cravings, I'd say, I'd get a detailed understanding of how eating is happening in particular, where it's happening, uh, with whom it happens, when it happens, how long eating happens, how fast or slow it happens. Pardon me. How much, how much is eaten, what is eaten and what happens after I'd sort of map out the experience of it. Then I'd start making little experiments to alter these things. But I'd also be looking at the life context in which binging becomes a response, in which food has come to take on a particular meaning or a purpose. Because if we change the conditions around a thing, the thing itself sometimes responds differently. And so if food, for instance, is the only thing a person looks forward to because the rest of life is stressful or kind of arid, um, it could become important to look at finding a few more things to look forward to or enjoy. Or similarly, if food is a response to pain, then yeah, look at uh, how to handle cravings, but also ask yourself, like Gabor Mate said, oh, what's the source of pain? And, and start making experiments with how to make a less painful life or to take care of some things that are causing pain. So to rewind back to pretty much the beginning, we start with the idea that it makes sense, that binging also makes sense. Food is effective. Our bodies need food. Food has many purposes. What purposes could it be sufficing? And then go about exploring, experimenting with meeting those purposes. But really a one-size-fits-one approach uh, is to start where, start where you are, start with smallest change that can make the biggest difference and just give yourself time to notice, notice the change. Um, I, ho I hope that suffices. I mean, all of these experiences are complicated and more than a few minutes uh, in, a, in a podcast. Um, mostly if you're having questions, I would be in touch with someone um, to, to talk about it a bit more. So if you're listening to this, and if you're struggling with any aspect of eating or from a body image, and, but you're not really seeing yourself in anything that I've said, well, you're one of 107 people who've ever existed and you found your own reasons, your own way, your own relationship with food. And so it's worth it to sit down with someone and sort out what that specific relationship is. Don't, don't hesitate to reach out. Um, as I mentioned at the top, there isn't one way through this. There's many ways to be. And I'm only speaking today about some of the common things that I've seen in my experience. Um, but it's, it's, it's never a complete, it's not complete. It doesn't include everybody. I hope that makes some form of sense. In any case, I, I hope something what I've said is made sense and helped to make this um, something in here more understandable. Because as I said earlier, um, part of any problem is the idea that it's not understandable. Once we can name it and see it, we can do something about it. All right. Uh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you.
And that's a wrap, guys. Thank you so much for joining us in this journey of our podcast. We hope you've learned something when it comes to eating disorders. We've hoped that you've opened up your mind when it comes to eating disorders. And again, I want to thank Kelly so much for allowing us to partake in this conversation and opening up our minds to this issue so that we can be more understanding, more respectful, more empathetic. Uh, So thank you so much, Kelly. We really do appreciate it. And thank you to everybody who's listened so far. We can't wait to hear your opinions on this. And we can't wait to see the impact it's had on your lives and how you will be using these concepts to move on in your lives and through lives and help others with eating disorders. Uh, So again, thank you so much to everybody involved and to everybody listening. If you need any resources, if you're feeling unwell, please feel free to look at the resources we have attached. It is important to take care of your mental health and we care about your mental health. So feel free to look at those resources. Thank you so much for joining our podcast and we hope you have an amazing time. Have a good one. Thank you.